0: Five, four, three, two, one. Leading through adversity, unmasking leadership. All right, Podcast Universe, welcome to another exciting episode of Leading Through Adversity, Unmasking Leadership. I am your host, Jesus Eddie Campa. Like always, uh, wishing you a happy start to a new week as we are in our studios recording this week's episode or this upcoming week's episode. I had such a good time with my good friend Earl Morrison the other day that I've decided to invite him back. And that's who's going to be joining us in the studio today with our new podcast. Just remember, uh, you can reach out to Mr. Earl Morrison and buy his new book, Mentoring for Life, Leading and Learning with Character. That's one of his new books. Um, He's got a couple of books out there. And we had uh, such good reviews on our first interview that I've decided to invite him back. And we will be right back with Mr. Earl Morrison. Alright Podcast Universe, welcome back. Today is Monday. We're recording this interview on Monday and obviously this interview will be dropping on Wednesday. So we are here today with my good friend Earl Morrison. Earl, thanks for joining us again.
1: Hey, thanks for having me back.
0: Hey, you know, I didn't think I was going to have you back this quickly, but you know what, uh, we had some good reviews and some good comments out there. And, uh, you know, I just figured we might as well bring you back and and uh, just have a one-on-one, just a going back and forth between you and me instead of having a formal interview with somebody. Uh, so, you know, Earl, I was driving back uh, back here uh, from being back home, and I had the opportunity to, to listen to this book um, that I was listening to as I was driving down here. It was called The, the Science of Likeability by Patrick King, and it was a really good book. Uh, it was narrated by, by a gentleman and had some really good topics. It was, it, it was a good read. Actually, I didn't read it. I listened to it, which is... Um, a blessing in disguise at the same time, it's not because you can't highlight certain things that you like, so you got to go back and hear it two or three times, you know, before you can memorize what you're talking. So one of the things that they were talking about was, you know, as a leader, you know, you're usually leading a team of, of people or individuals or, you know, a, a coach is a team and this, this and that. And one of the things that they brought up and they were asking is, why is it so hard for a leader to sometimes be accepted by the team that they're trying to lead? Like, what, what, what is the difficulty? In your experience, what issues have you faced when you've come and taken over an organization and have given, been given instructions to lead that team that, have, that you've encountered that have um, kind of caused you issues uh, when it comes to leading that team?
1: Well, Eddie, uh, you know, when you're taking over a team or you're going into an organization and you're, you're coming in as the person outside that group, uh, you're the new person so you know the concept of teams is, is they work together they've been together they, they know how certain things are and when you're coming in to lead that team it's the unknown they don't know you you don't really know them and so one of the hardest things is is to come in there and get a good grasp on that team and, and get them to to understand your vision and, and what you want to accomplish with them uh, and so it's, it's a time-consuming thing and so uh, it's not as easy as, as one would think that it might be, just because, oh, hey, you're coming in to take over this team, well, you're in charge. Um, one of the things that you have to understand is that you, you've got to kind of get to know your team, um, and as you know, that can be one of the hardest things to do, is getting to know your team, because part of that is is that you need to understand everybody's role, uh, and everybody needs to understand their role and how you want to move that team and the organization forward.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. You know, so, you know, in our world, you know, talking about the law enforcement world, you know, a lot of the times when there's a change in leadership, you know, it's because, and we talked about this the last time, is because somebody, for the most part, you know, a lot of the times, you know, chiefs of police, you know, they get what we call a a vote of no confidence, you know, by their team. And a lot of the times, you know, that, that vote of no confidence has been given to a person who grew up in the agency, you know spent their entire career with that organization or you'll see it a lot of times when they bring in an outside chief you know somebody to take over the organization and a lot of that is, is usually caused just because you know there, there's 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 this outsider there's a certain expectation that a lot of organizations have that you should be growing and and and, and um, preparing your your people in home in house you know in home and when you go out and you hire somebody from the outside you're gonna have some kind of friction and as you and I both know I mean when I led my first organization which I spent 20 years with you know it it wasn't hard I mean I grew up in that organization I was accepted people liked me you know we grew up I worked my way up and stuff and it was a lot easier to deal with there than it has been to deal in agencies that I've come in and taken over you know the last four agencies that I've taken over since that time you know, I was brought in because there was a level of adversity that was going on and the and and the city or the state wanted some kind of change. And you come in and the first thing that you're 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 meeted, you're greeted with is that unknown. You know, a lot of people don't know what to expect, but at the same time you don't know what to expect. So, you know, while you can put the 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 majority of the responsibility on on the on the team not knowing or fearing the unknown, I mean as a leader, you're human too. I mean, you come in with certain expectations that you've been instructed to do, but there's also a level of fear that comes with it. So, how, how do you how do you cope with that?
1: Well, I think you bring up a good point. Is that there's always going to be that fear and the fear of the unknown, and it's going to be on both sides. And and the crazy thing about it is, is that most places that if you're the guy or or girl coming in from the outside. They don't look at it is that you have those same fears that they do one of the things I told a group when I was taking over that organization and said look at it this way is that you you're looking at me but I have all of you looking at me and I'm looking at you and it's like just think of it in that perspective of, all of y'all are looking to me for answers and looking to me to get on board and looking at me to understand but then I have forty something of you that I'm looking at trying to figure out what is your need, why is there a fear here? Do you feel threatened because I'm the outsider? What have you been told? You know, what what things that set this up and and why don't we better prepare folks uh, to understand and accept that leaders are coming in because leaders are needed. Change is coming because change is needed. New ideas, improvements, you know, I think we, we focus too much on the fear side of that, and maybe we're a little bit threatened because we don't know the individual. Um, we focus too much on that, and I think that kind of derails our teams sometimes. I think that puts us for, in, in a sense of playing behind when when we really don't need to, but it, it creates that atmosphere before we ever get there.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, um, <clears throat> that's an interesting topic um The fear of the unknown and and that's what this leading through adversity is all about is is we're trying to understand leadership we're trying to give leaders who are in those positions you know a a letting them know that they're not out there by themselves you know a lot of the times and, and, and and this is no disrespect to any subordinates or anything like that but a lot of the times there is a lot of emphasis on how you should treat your employees how you should treat your staff and how how you make things work by being a servant leader and by being a coaching and a mentor but at the same time you know we as leaders we also need that same thing right you know we we need that support mechanism and a lot of times you know we, we we take that support mechanism from our families or our faith in God or several mentors that we've had and stuff like that but that's one of the things that a lot of people don't understand is that we as leaders we're coming into an organization, taking over, especially, you know, <clears throat> when you uh you know, you, you leave your hometown, you leave your home agency, you leave your comfort zone and you move on uh to lead an organization in a whole different culture, in a whole different city, a whole different state, in a whole different world, and 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 people are are looking at you like, Oh my god, here comes this guy, we don't know what he's up to. Well, yeah. But there's at least forty, fifty, sixty, seventy, a hundred, or a thousand of you, and there's one me. Right. You know. So how do you think I feel? I'm standing up here looking at you, trying to convince you to believe in the vision I have, and I need you to lead. So one of the things that they don't understand is when you look at that situation, who's really who's who should be more afraid? <laughs> you know.
1: Right. I don't. I don't think they ever even look at it in the aspect of. You're coming into that environment and you know absolutely no one. You may have met a couple of people during the process. There might be a chance that you know someone in that area. For the most part, we go into those and we don't know anything. All we know is that's the next place that we're supposed to be because we feel like we're led to go there. We feel like, you know, God's got a plan. We got to go with that plan. He takes us in all paths and all places, uh, and sometimes we, we... just don't know what's there. And so I think people look at us sometimes and think we, sh- we should have all the answers. And in some cases, I get that. We, we're, we're the leaders that are coming in. We're supposed to have a lot of the answers. But they look at us like we shouldn't make mistakes. Uh, we shouldn't take some time and try to get to know them. We shouldn't ask questions. We shouldn't find out what works. We shouldn't find out what needs to be improved. When in a sense, is that's what we're trying to do is learn our team. We're trying to figure out what makes this team work and how can we be better or what do we need to do? Be better or are we doing things as good as we can? Um, are we being as effective and efficient as we possibly can? And you know, part of our analysis of those teams is we're, we're doing those things, we're asking questions. We're trying to basically impart our vision on them, but we're trying to do that in a way where we actually put together the, the kind of team that we need but we're trying to understand that.
0: Yeah, good point. So, you know, um, one of the other things that that I want to touch base on, uh, and in talks it's about leading teams, is that, you know, every time you come over, you know, a lot of the times, you know, you sit down and you meet with your team members, you meet with, the, you know, your, for lack of better words, your assistant coaches and, and your student coaches, and then, you know, all down. But, you know, basically your lieutenants, sergeants, captains, whatever, you know, whatever they may be. And you meet with them, and of course, you know, your your perception is basically based on what they're telling you because you entrust them to tell you the truth about the people. But, you know, a lot of times this is where a lot of people unveil their agendas. So, you know, it, it's not like we can make split-second decisions when you come in and you take over a team. So when you're taking over a team and you're trying to lead them, what do you think is a good amount of time that a that a leader should take before implementing any major uh, changes or or anything like that? Or should he just do it, you know, arbitrarily and just get it done and, and over with, you know?
1: Well, yeah, I think that's a million-dollar question. I think if we could really answer that um, and when we had a one-size-fits-all, that would be great. But however, you know, in our business and the business of leadership, there's not a one-size-fits-all program that you go in there. I think one of the things that you have to do is you have to prioritize and you have to look at the things of... Uh, we have to do certain things that make our organization better right away. Those are the things that can't wait. And so you look at those things and say, um, do we need to do some things that that make our organization better for our community and for the people that that are our stakeholders? Then you have to look at, um, are these things, are they easy to to change? You know, there's certain things that take time because you've got to understand some things. Uh, The reality of it is, is that you're not gonna make all the right decisions right up front. Um as you analyze things and assess, you're going to say, "Okay, here's a list of things that we've got to we've got to do today, and we can do them without any additional resources Then there's some other things that you're not going to be able to change unless you get additional resources and then there's some other things at the end that you're not going to change until you change the culture and you change the environment you change the mindset um uh, depending on the members of your team uh sometimes that is an easy transition. Sometimes it takes longer because there's so many improvements that are needed that mindset, that culture change, that environment change takes more time. Unfortunately, sometimes Eddie, we put our trust in the wrong people. That also derails us a little bit because you know, team members are in place when you get there. And so you think that there's people that that are on your side and we put our trust in those wrong, wrong people, and it causes so many more issues for us that it, it just derails the whole uh, moving forward process of bringing that change and those improvements and doing those things. So it, it's, it's not an easy answer, and, and I would tell you it depends on your organization. It depends on you and how you assess the organization, and it depends on the organization's willingness to accept what's uncovered, good, bad, or indifferent, and then being on board with you to move that forward to be better and be more efficient and more effective.
0: Good points. So we're gonna take a small break and we'll be right back, but before we do that, <clears throat> excuse me, I wanna leave everybody with with this question. You know, We're talking about teams and how you build trust and how you lead a team when you come in from the outside or uh, whether you're from the outside or whether you're internal. But the one question I, I want to leave everybody with here, while we take this quick break, is: Has anybody ever heard of leading by committee? And just just stop and think about that. Leading by committee. And if you have heard it, is it successful? Is it something you believe in, or is is that even a real thing? So we'll be right back. Again, I'm Jesus Campa with Earl Morrison on leading. Through adversity. Be right back. All right, everybody. Welcome back. So right before we left, I asked you a question. Have you ever heard about leading by committee? Now, I guess what I'm trying to say is that there is is nothing wrong with having a discussion about a decision that needs to be made in the organization. But um, I've had some recent experience, you know, in, in different organizations that I've worked in where a lot of the times, you know, people... You know, we've all heard the expression, you know, it's on a need to know basis or, you know, um, if, when you need to know, you'll be told. And a lot of the times I, I've noticed that some people have a hard time understanding that because they were so used to um, being part of the decision making process, which, again, there's nothing wrong with having a discussion about implementing something. But at the, at, in the end, you have to have somebody that makes a decision or sets the tone or sets a vision. You know, and that's usually the leader. That's why he's been brought in to lead that organization. So the question was, you know, I mean, have you ever heard of a country that has two presidents or, or a head of state? You know, there's always one head of state. Um, what's your opinion on that? I mean, what, what, what is your opinion? We, we live in an environment now where everybody wants to be involved. Everybody wants to, you know. All right. For, for, for instance, let's talk about the president of the United States. You know, let's not make this political, but everybody criticizes him. Whether you like him, whether you don't, whether you're a Republican or you're a Democrat, you're an independent, it doesn't matter. He's he's the president of the United States. you know. And I think a lot of the times he gets a lot of criticism because he makes the decision. Good, bad, or indifferent, he makes it. Yet everybody feels like they should have some kind of say-so in those decisions. So how do you lead a team when you have everybody wanting to put their input... And 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 they interfere with the way the organization is being run, or to the point where there's so many opinions that you can't even implement anything or get things going at or... all.
1: Well, Eddie, you know, part of that is is that there's nothing wrong with discussion. I mean, you you said that yourself. There, there's nothing wrong with uh, getting people's opinions. Sometimes there's things that that you have to do that you don't need people's opinions on. Uh, Everything and every decision that you make doesn't require you to get uh, buy in from people. Uh, Sometimes you have to make a decision, and sometimes you make a decision because you're the leader. Um, You know, as you brought up the example of the president, is that, you know, we don't have to agree with everything that he says or does or thinks. Uh, We have to support him because he is the president. And I think that's where we kind of mess up as followers is, is that, you know, we forget sometimes that. You know, decisions are made because it's what's best for organizations or what's best for the company or what's best for the, the country and we tend to think well you know I don't, I don't totally agree with that so it can't be a good decision or it can't be right well part of that is, is that being a good follower comes before being a good leader uh, and we forget that we're not always going to get input um, that's that's the nature of leadership is that someone is in charge someone's the boss, someone's the person that gets to decide, and it's not always us. Uh, when it is us, we have to be willing and able and ready to make those decisions. and like I said, sometimes you can have lots of discussion, sometimes you can wait for the buy-in. but you know best example I have is as a family do you, do you get your kids' opinions on everything that you do? You know, sometimes you do because it affects them. Sometimes it doesn't because as a parent, you have to make a decision and move forward.
0: Well, you know, touching on that, one of the funniest things that you say that, you know, it, it, the perfect example is usually traditional roles, the way things have been, you know, the the, the, the dad, the father is usually the head of the household. Right. Uh, you know, in, in the environment that I, w- I grew up in, you know, I, I, was, I was brought up by a single parent. So my mother was the, was the head of the household. She was the leader. And uh, it's funny because I run into this effect every time I ask my kids where they want to go eat. Because one wants McDonald's all the time, period. The other one always wants to go to a five-star sit-down restaurant. Uh My wife, she says, why do we have to go out? I can just cook dinner. And then me, I just want something quick and stuff just to get out of the house and go eat somewhere. And after spending about an hour of going in circles as to where we're going to go eat... Me, as playing the traditional role of the father, the dad, the leader, I have to put down and make a decision and say, we're going to go eat Italian and we're going to go eat this, this, and that, and this is where we're going. You got five minutes to get in the car and let's go. And then everybody mopes and groans and then we go eat and then everyone's like, oh my God, this was the best decision ever, dad. You know, so a lot of the times I think that people just, you know, just don't give things an opportunity, you know.
1: Well, you know, we, we kind of have that sense of entitlement. I mean, we, we are in, a, in a, a nation that you get to have an opinion, and, you know, there's freedom of speech and all those things. And I think sometimes we carry that a little bit too far and think that I have a right to say anything and everything every single time there's something going on. And and we we, we just expect that. And sometimes it's like, you know, look, this doesn't call for that because the last time we did that, we went round and round and round and round, and nobody made a decision. And guess what? We ended up doing absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, we we didn't go eat. We ended up staying home because nobody could make a decision. Everybody had a different idea. You know, you're in an organization and you need to move forward on things. And you know, there's lots of times where it's good to get someone's uh, feedback. There's also times where the feedback doesn't do anything but stall you the feedback is, is more cumbersome than just making a decision and moving forward because there's so many different opinions and no one makes a decision. And, you know, I'd submit to you that that's not really good leadership if no one can make a decision and you end up not moving forward at all. So while you can say, hey, you know what, I, 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 I like the idea of leadership by committee, I'm not sure it would work too well. I know in my experience, it it, it hasn't. I know that the, the things that I've done and dealt with in leadership roles is that there are times when it's really good to have some good discussion and get feedback and get opinion. But there's also times when, as a leader, I just have to make a decision and move forward. Um, it's it's, it's kind of like when you're growing up, a lot of us heard uh, from your parents because I said so. <laughs> uh, and so, what I try to get people to understand is, you know what, when when there's times and I can allow discussion, and I can allow opinion, and I can allow feedback, we'll do it as much as we can. But sometimes, Eddie, the answer is going to be because I said so.
0: You know, and that's a good point. You know, especially in our world, you know, the world that we that, that we live in, you know, my my direction is 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 set by the person who's sitting on a desk higher than me, who's sitting up at the at the hill and I've got one of two choices. I either follow his or her vision and I lead it in the direction that we're gonna get there. Not granted, he gives me the opportunity to drive the vehicle in that direction and I have one of two choices. I either see the vision or I can get off the car, put it in park, let somebody else take it and I can walk in a different direction. But a lot of the times people have a hard problem, especially the team that you're trying to lead. You know. Um, you know, right now, we you know we're we're in some interesting times. You know, when when I took over the organization, I just took over. I came in at the same time that a new president came in, and well, actually, no, I'm lying. Actually, uh, we already had a president, and then we had a governor, a new governor that was elected, and um, I had a different set of vision and different set of rules that I have to follow now and stuff like that, and and it was kind of hard getting the team shifted into that right direction. I think we're we're in, we're in a we're in a good process right now. But a lot of the times, I mean, how does how do you how do you set the tone for, for the vision of the organization having to move forward? And why is it that people are so afraid of moving forward in a new direction?
1: Well, Eddie, you have heard me talk about it before and say it again, is that you know especially in our world, in the police world, but in people in general have a problem with, with two things. That's the way things are in change. You know, they, they may agree with you and, and not like some of the exact same things that you're coming in here to change that, that is mandated by your boss. They may have rapped about it for years before you came in the door to affect that change. But now, you're here to affect that change. And so, it's the fear of the unknown. It's the fear of, oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to embrace this change and move forward. I don't know how to do that. You know, part of that is is that we, we do a poor job from the ground up in organizations of preparing uh, our people to move forward, to prepare our people to embrace change and understand that you know here's the deal with change, it's inevitable. Change happens all around us. You know, you look around all around you. As much as you don't like some things that are happening, guess what? Change is there. It's happening. The the way we do business today is nothing more than change because of, of a virus that we knew nothing about or we didn't know enough about and we were ill-prepared to handle it uh, as a nation. It's caused change. It's caused change as a nation. It's caused change in cities. It's caused changes within our organization. There's nothing we can do about that change.
0: Well, you know, it, and, it, and it's funny that you, that you mentioned that because, you know, that's what I. That's one of the things I always tell people. I said, you know, you don't like the way things are, but then you don't want change. Yet you should be most. You should be very comfortable with change, because every year you change. Every year you get older. Every year, you know. Every year we know we're going to have four seasons. I mean, hell, if you live in Texas, you're going to have four seasons every 15 minutes. <laughs> you know. Uh, so change is all around us, and you would think that one as as humans we would be Accepting of change because I mean hell, do you think I like you know I I, you think I like having the extra twenty pounds I've gained over my forty seven years Hey you know I'm just excited I dropped ten you know as soon as we get off of this right now I got to go run five or six miles just well actually a a, a nil attempt at running five (laughs) or six miles because I'll probably run two and walk three but I have to make those changes because I want to be around for another. 30, 40 years to enjoy my kids and my grandchildren. So I have to make changes. I mean, I have to adapt to today. And you brought up a great point because, you know, my wife's an educator and, uh, you know, she she's a, she's an executive at one of the school districts. And, um, you know, when when, when when the epidemic hit or the pandemic, excuse me, and everything went to online Zoom training, we all know that, you know, teachers have to work almost an eternity before they're eligible to retire because you know that and that's a whole different subject we'll get into on in a different day because, you know, we don't pay our teachers enough to do the things that they do. But um you know, when they went over to this new Zoom and uh go to Tutor and all this crazy stuff that they had to do, they had uh their 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 uh, retirement rate, uh the number of people that retired uh this season was up almost twenty five percent from the year before and the year prior to that because people said I'm not I'm not doing this video conferencing, teaching, computer thing because it's, it's, I, I, I'm not doing it. And they chose to retire as opposed to learning, a new, you know, learning the way to do it. And, and the thing is, is that, I mean, my wife was working day and night prepping teachers and showing them how to do this, you know, through emails and video conferencing and actually going live. So they actually had the opportunity to learn how to do it, but they just chose not to because that's not the way we did things.
1: Well, and it's why I always talk about, you know, with your teams, you're talking about how to build a team and move a team forward, is that if we could just teach our teams and teach our organizations how to embrace the change that's coming, we would be so much further ahead. Because, I mean, you know, for me, this was an opportunity, changing the way we're doing things. Well, I told you the last time, it was like I didn't have any webinars before. Uh, right now, I've got 12 so, I've had to change the way I'm presenting information and teaching information and putting it out there. You know, if we could just get people to embrace the change that's around them, embrace the things that are there, the new, learn it, and understand it. You know, when I talk about embracing change, I talk about four steps that you have to go through to get to the embracing. And they, 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 you know, you may find yourself in varying uh, stages of that. And the first one is is that everybody's always resistant to change. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where you find people are, are resistant to change. The next step they find is that they've passed the resistance, but they're reluctant to be on board with it. Then you go from the reluctance to you've accepted the changes here. Like, like you see, these, these people, they've accepted that we're in a different time. Okay. But they couldn't quite embrace it, so what did they do? They retired. Yep. If you can get yourself to, I accept the changes here, and I embrace the new. I embrace what it brings. I, I, I can, I can move forward with that. If we could get to that embracing stage, you know how much better our teams would be, and our organizations would be, and we would be as people if we could just embrace the change that's around us. That we can't stop. Eddie, it doesn't matter what we do. Change is here. Deal with. It's how we deal with it. So if we can embrace it, man, how much better would our teams be? How much better would our organization be if we could just learn how to embrace change?
0: Absolutely. I mean, change change is inevitable. It's going to
1: happen. You got
0: to embrace it. You got to go with it. I mean, hell, you know, last year I was privileged. Uh, last summer I was privileged enough to, uh, actually, two summers ago I was. Last two summers ago and. I was privileged enough to, to, to be hired by JKB Media, uh, an outlet uh, that owns a lot of media outlets out on the West Coast, and and they took me out and, and, and allowed me to speak at a lot of conferences and seminars and you know, on motivation and leadership and things like that, which, which is kind of the funny thing is that, you know, I just happened to be at the right place at the right time when JKB heard me speak one day and they were like, hey, you know what, you're the kind of guy we've been looking for. Right. And uh, so, you know, this year I was all excited because I had all these speaking engagements and all these things were starting to fall into place. And I was, you know, starting to pick up some good speaking gigs. And all of a sudden this pandemic hits and I'm like, OK, and everything's being canceled and this this, and that. And so I started thinking, well, you know, what what what's the next level? You know, and then we start seeing the Zoom conferences and everything like that. And I'm thinking, well, you know, I haven't and I've been telling you, I haven't heard from JKB. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. And well, all of a sudden, you know, they're they're like. know they send me a schedule of of, of things that they want me to to do and prepare to to speak at this summer and i'm saying they're going and and, because all of them are online online Mm -hmm. online online and i'm like uh how so you know uh earlier today i I had uh, i had the opportunity to to speak at an event and and i'm sitting there on my monitor and i'm looking at about a 100 little faces on my monitor going okay is everybody sitting at an office or at their right. home listening to me speak on my monitor, it was different. It is different. It was different. But you know what wasn't different? I adapted. And you know what wasn't different? When I checked my bank account and I saw that little check get deposited, <laughs> I was like, I could definitely adapt to this change. Right. You know, so, you know, if, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're out there trying to make a speaking engagement or or, or, or something like that, you need to adapt, you know, because... Um, there's still a lot of money to be made out there in the speaking world if, if, if you if you adapt and, and change this. And one of the things that I was told is that the reason I got all these new bookings was because a lot of speakers said, I'm not doing this. You know, I need to be in front of a live audience. Well, you are still in front of a live audience, you're just in a room <laughs>
1: by yourself. Well, Eddie, you know, it's like we talk. It's like, you know, it, you want to be a speaker, and, and we've both done numerous public speaking engagements. Uh, when they're not hiring you to come there live and in person, what what do you have to do if you want to be a public speaker? You, you got to adapt. You got to embrace the change that's there. You got to do what's different. It's like we talked about. It's like, you know, you can plan every seminar and do all the stuff and and do that, but if you're not allowed to meet in, in public in groups, you got to find different ways to do it. You got to get online. You gotta you got to open your meetings up. You got to do the webinars and the seminars online. You got to do the go to meetings and the zooms and. and get it out there because it's a new world and and you know the reality of it is, is that the more i've done it the easier it is the more i'm comfortable with that environment because look hey when you're talking to a screen and there's not some feedback but you see a bunch of people looking at you uh, it's different it's a little more intimidating sometimes than being in a classroom with people because you're expecting feedback from them um, it just takes some time to get get used to it, and it's like I said, if you can get yourself through those stages to get to that embracing stage where you accept and you say, I'm ready to embrace this, I'm going all in, just kind of like what we've done with doing this podcast, different ways to get our voice out there. I mean, you have to be willing to do that, and I think the more people can understand that is like, you, change is here. We have to go with it. We have to adapt to it.
0: Right and i guess i guess you know the at at the end at the end of the day what we're talking about today is how to lead teams and how you get teams on board and that is trying to get them to basically change the culture to embrace change um you know and 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 a lot of i'm sure a lot of people that need to hear this are probably not going to hear it because we're basically preaching to the choir you right. know we're talking to leaders across the board i mean it's called leading through adversity you know for new leaders entrepreneurs people who have you know 27 years, 30 years of experience in their career and their trade. Um, you know, so we we get it and we know that. But the question is how do we get other people to get it? And and that's a million dollar question as you said earlier because if if if, if we found the the answer to that million dollar question, well, we'd all be leaders in our organization forever because we we found that we found exact how to make everything run perfectly. Right.
1: Right, for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think uh, you you, you kind of mentioned it there. Is that you know, um, if if we could just get everybody to understand, is, is that I, we we are kind of preaching to the choir. We get that, but share this with somebody um, that maybe doesn't hear that all the time or doesn't understand. Because part of this is that we talk about this because we want people to understand that we're not in this by yourself. You know, we 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 got together and became good friends because of the things that we had experienced in our leading through adversity. And understanding that we wanted to do things a certain way we didn't want to compromise our character we wanted to maintain a certain level of who we were and so you know we talk about these things because we want you to learn things and understand things that that we went through maybe if you can understand it better than we did at the time you don't have to go through it the same way we did you don't have to go through maybe near as much adversity if, if you can understand this so I would suggest he you, pass it along to somebody that, that that may benefit from hearing from two guys that have been in the middle of leading through adversity and have tried, uh, I think, valiantly to maintain their character throughout that process. Share that with somebody else because that's what we're all about, at leading through adversity and leading and learning with character.
0: Absolutely. You, I mean, you said it just right. You know, we're, we're two guys that have partnered up and we're, we're looking to, to make a difference in the world of leaders. And, you know, if 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 you're one of those leaders and you're having a hard time getting that message across, you know, Earl, uh, you know, let us know how is it that we can get a hold of you to help us help those leaders who need some help, maybe with some strategic planning or changing the culture or having some fresh ideas or maybe even being the guy that comes in and talks to their team about what we're just talking about. So how, how do we get a hold of you,
1: Earl? Uh, you can c- contact me at com. You can also find me on Facebook at Earl Morrison, Leading and Learning with Character. Um, there's several things on there you can find out about me. We do the seminars. We tailor stuff to specifically for individuals or for organizations. Um, we can do webinars. I can talk uh, one-on-one. Again, we can do just about anything that comes to do with helping you grow and develop your leadership.
0: Absolutely. And like always, I am your host, Jesus Eddie Campa, and you can reach me at Campa com. Uh, all my booking information is there. If you need any help in, in um, improving your leadership or making your leadership stronger or, or just helping get your team off the ground, um, maybe you've come to the point where, you know, they need to hear from somebody else. And uh, we're always available at, at Earl Morrison and Jesus Fede Campa. Uh, if you ever need anything from us, you know how to get a hold of us now. So with that, Earl, uh, we're going to close it out because uh, I'm sure a lot of people are probably – getting to wherever they're going or as they're driving, listening to us and stuff. And it's about time to just wrap it up. So I uh, hope you enjoyed this, this episode and Earl, thanks for joining us. And matter of fact, I just want to ask you one thing, Earl, you know, why don't we just do this every week, you and I, and we'll bring in a host. Why don't you just uh, become a co-host with me and I think, I think we make a good team. I think we're kind of like yin, the yang. I'm the animated guy. You're the more serious guy. So, you know, if you ever hire us to come in to do anything for you, you know, they can pick and, pick and choose from both of us and, and get the best of both worlds.
1: Well, Eddie, I appreciate the, the opportunity and I look forward to uh, meeting with you next week. And I would be glad to co-host with you. And uh, I think we are a good team and I would like to move it forward.
0: Awesome. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Breaking news. Jesus Eddie Campa, and Earl Morris and joining forces on the Leading Through Adversity podcast. Awesome. See? See? Something good came out of this today. And we're embracing change. And we're embracing change. We'll see you guys and girls next week. Actually, we won't see you, you'll just hear us. Hey, maybe we should start a video cast so they can see us.
1: You never know. Change you know, is
0: coming. Change is coming. That's good. All right. Everybody, have a good week.
1: Thanks. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha